Shabbos between Yud and Yudalit Kislev. And Yutes Kislev. This next Shabbos, if you have another Shabbos, Yutes Kislev. So we have next Shabbos, next Wednesday, we can talk about that of Shabbos, the Yutes Kislev, that we're holding between. Yud Kislev and Yudalit Kislev. What is the significance of dates? Tes Kislev, Yud Kislev, Yudalit Kislev. What does that have to do with Pashva Yishtach? Vayishtach, as we spoke until now, throughout the, since we started Chumash Bereshis, The Aveda, the service of the forefathers of Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, was to rectify, was to complete, was to, to adjust what took, what took place in the world with the Chet Eitzadas, with the sin of the tree of knowledge. Likely to be in my pocket, it's not. Okay, I'll go too far. The Aveda of Avraham, the Aveda of Yitzchak, we spoke about Yaakov now. The first major event we have that we had to deal with Yaakov's essence, with Yaakov's existence, is by Yishlach Yaakov Malachim. Yaakov sends Malachim. Rashi tells us Malachim, angels, means Malachim Mamish, because generally, you look at the Pasuk, you say, Yishach Yaakov Malachim Lecha'ira, first thing that comes to mind, is, messengers. And as a matter of fact, if you look at anywhere else, that anyone explains this, they'll tell you, Yishach Yaakov Malachim, Malachim, Yaakov sent messengers. The children sing, Vishach Yaakov Malachim, the fun of Yaakov sent messengers to Esav. But Rashi turns and he tells that Ben Chamesh the Mikli, he tells that child that's learning Torah, that you're starting to learn Torah, he says, no, Malachim means Malachim Mamish, real Malachim. So we look at that first Rashi, we say Malachim Mamish, and we say, okay, let's scrutinize the wording. First of all, the proper wording would be if he wants to say true malachim, malachim amitim. That would be the proper Hebrew phrase. So, repeat that? If he wants to say true angels, malachim amitim. So, what is malachim mamish? The word mamish generally means something that we can feel, something that has mamashut, something that has tangibility. That was for Nat. Malachim Mamish here, technically the phrase is a little bit 
severe. On the other hand, another question comes up. Avram gave birth to Yitzchak. Avram was Yitzchak's father. Yitzchak's mother was Sarah. Yitzchak married Rivka. And they had Yaakov and Esau. Come what may, as holy as Yaakov may have been, he was a mortal. He was a human being, the son of a mother and a father, of a human mother and father. What right did Yaakov have to use such audacity and to send angels? You want to send messengers? Send messengers. Avram Avinu got visited by angels. God sent the angels to Avram to visit him. Yaakov here sends angels. What? People don't walk around calling angels and saying angels go do this and that. And if if you're entitled to anything, you could send a messenger. You send a stronger messenger. Where does he come up to sending angels? Mamish is an acronym Mimaisav Shalei from his works. When we do a mitzvah, Mimaisav, mitzvah Shalei. When we do a mitzvah, we create an angel. We create a malach. My grandmother Shalom, I repeat this a million times, always told us, you're taking somebody for a ride, a guy asks for a ride to go home, it's on your way, it's a little bit out of your way, whatever it might be, and all of a sudden, you decide, you know, drop the person off on the corner instead of dropping them off by their house. My grandmother says that's creating a hinkadika malach, a crippled malach. A crippled angel. The mitzvah you're doing, you're doing a mitzvah, but you're not doing it all the way. The angel is crippled. That angel is going to be missing a, you know, a piece of his wing, a piece of whatever. So the question always was, so what? So what? I'm creating malachim. I'm creating malachim. It's God's uh, treasure now. It's God's. The warehouse angels. I'm I'm creating angels for God's warehouse. What am I? Second, no, you're creating angels for your sake. These now become your angels. They become your angels, and therefore, Yaakov, who had created the angels through his mitzvahs. had the right to use his angels and tell his angels to go to talk to Esav. He wouldn't jeopardize someone's life and send them to do that. An angel is not concerned. What right did he have over these angels? The fact that he created the angels. Therefore Rashi tells the Bechamesh the Mikra, Malachim Mamish, Mamish Mimitzis Mitzis Shalai, from the word, work of his Mitzis he created his Malachim. 
the malachim that we create doing a mitzvah stand in our stead. When a person, God forbid, needs a miracle, needs a major blessing from God, it's those very angels that plead on his behalf. So therefore, says Rashi, the Lashon Malachim Mamesh, he doesn't use Amitim or something else to tell the Ben Chamesh Mikkel, the Ben Chamesh Mikkel has to understand what the Mamesh was here. These are all built up credits. And he had built up credit, and therefore he had a good credit score. (laughs) (laughs) And he used his credit score, correct. He's, He's cashed in. He cashed in on his credit score. So therefore Yaakov sends off Malachim and this is his first debut. This is his first action which he sanctifies Hashem's name to an extent that he now is working on the sin of Chet Eitzadas to again bring down the Shekhinah another, another level. Yaakov finally meets Esav. How emotional is that? Yaakov's first words to him in Lavan Garti. I lived with Lavan. Now, in essence, <laughs> he's telling him a few things here. He could be telling it to him out of pity. Have Rahman Asami. I lived with Lavan for all these years. I mean, you know what Lavan was like. Lovan's name was Lovan Arami. He was a, a, a cheat, a, a liar. There was nothing straight about this guy. So he's telling him, in Lovan Garti, I wasn't, I wasn't having a great time over here. Yes, I was not by you, and yes, I didn't get away from you, yes, you didn't kill me. I escaped you, but I didn't exactly go to, to paradise. I, didn't, I wasn't sitting on Puerto Rico on a beach. In love on God. On the other hand, it's a defense mechanism. In love on Garti. Rashi takes the second shot, and Rashi takes the liberty of doing something that the Mechamashlimika doesn't understand. Rashi is using a gematria. Yarashi's general approach to explaining a pasuk is the regular, simple explanation. This is the uh, moron test. You know that? They try to get that off your finger. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why we don't put this thing on a video. Um, <laughs> so in essence, Taryag Mitzvah Shamarti because Rashi is telling us that the letters of Garti are the same letters as Taryag, or Gematria of Taryag, is going, he's deviating from his regular track. So therefore we have to see how does the Mechamesh the Mikra relate to this, how does that five-year-old child relate to this as being a true explanation of the actual Pasuk. Not just a dremez, a drush, a seid, but actual pshat.
So we're looking again here that Yaakov is using this as a defense mechanism. And he's telling him, I am pure. The famous story of the Tzamech Tzedek, Chassid and Tzamech Tzedek, I believe we told this as well many times. A Chassid and the Tzamech Tzedek had relatives not in Lubavitch. And there were times where there was a simcha in the family, you had to travel for a simcha. Not everybody had Porsches. Not everybody had Cadillacs. Not everybody had horses either. And some people walked. Yeah, they walked. They put on their pumas and they walked. You walked a journey that was sometimes two or three days. This chassid got a message that his relative in the town, distant town, had a boy. A boy, he set out on a journey. The bris was beautiful. On the way back from the bris, although he had been by this town many times, he'd been to these relatives many times, on the way back from the bris, he got what we call in Yiddish, fablonjit. he got lost. And it was so rare. I mean, he's done this trip so many times, all of a sudden he was off the beaten path. And off the beaten path led him to an interesting area. And he came in front of a magnificent palace. Palace was never here before. He approached the palace. And he came into the palace and he saw an unreal sight. There was a room, thousands of people sitting, thousands of chsidim, shtreimlach, beards, payas. And on the dais, all the way up on top, was there, obviously was the Rebbe. And he was saying Torah. He was saying something, he was expounding on a thought Torah. As he was expounding on this thought and Taylor, the Chassid was listening, the Samasetic Chassid was listening, and he sees all the other Chassidim are really, really involved in the Taylor that this man is saying. And the Samasetic Chassid was very, very impressed by what this man was saying. He had what to say. When the man finished, he went down from the dais and came straight to the Chassid. And he gave him shalom. He said, I never saw you here before. He says, no, I just passed in here. I just fell in here by accident. How would you like my Dibre Torah? He says, it was amazing. So you want to become my chassid? He says, well, actually, I am a chassid of a Rebbe. And I don't do anything without asking my Rebbe first. So I would go ask my Rebbe. If my Rebbe thinks that I should become your chassid, I'll become your chassid. He says, okay. And he goes home, and he comes to the Samasetic, and he tells him exactly what happened. How he came back, on the way back, he got fablonjit. Now we know what it means. And, and he ended up in the palace, and this guy was saying, Taita, and everything. And Samasetic was very, very, very upset. 
Tzemach Tzedek told him, if God forbid this ever happens again, you have to cover your ears immediately, and you have to stamp your feet and scream, it's Shekha because of its lies, it's lies, it's false, it's lies. Chosid was flabbergasted. I mean, the guy said, was saying things that were really amazing. All of a sudden, now that Tzemach Tzedek, his Rebbe is telling him, he doesn't ask any questions, the Rebbe said so. Kids, a, a year or two went by, and this was pretty much forgotten. And the relative had another boy. And they had another boy in the town, and he went to travel again to the town, he went to the bris. On the way back from the bris, he got fablonjit. You're going to get that word straight tonight. He got fablonjit. He got fablonjit. And he ends up on the same path, and the same path leads him again to that same palace. And he's very hesitant to go inside. But um, what should he say? What should he do? It's something drawing him to go in there. Remember. And he knew exactly what he had to do if the guy was going to be saying prayer there. And he comes inside. And lo and behold, the same scene on, on uh, what's it called itself? Unravels in front of his eyes. And again, this guy is standing there and he's pounding away. The chassid sees that immediately. He grabs his ears and he holds his ears and he starts pounding his feet and screaming and yelling, it's lies, it's false, it's lies. The more and louder he screamed, the more enraged this Rebbe became. And then the more he screamed, a very strange thing started happening. As he was screaming, and as the Rebbe was getting angrier and redder in the face, and stopped speaking, the Chassidim started a transformation. No, this is not a sci-fi movie. They all, their faces started to change. And from human beings, they started to become all different reptiles, scorpions and snakes. And it was a horrific scene. He was in the den of a, of, a, of a who knows what here. And this Rebbe comes running over to him and grabs him. And he says, that's it, I'm finished. And he says to him, why did you just do that? He says, my Rebbe told me to. Your Rebbe told you to. He says, yeah. He says, who's your Rebbe? And he told him, Nachmendel Samachsedek. And immediately the man took out a big black book. He took out a big black book and he started to skim through the book. And he's going page to page and he's looking for this name, the Rebbe Nachmendel Samachsedek Lubavitch. And as he turns, as he turns, this guy, the chassid, is looking and he sees other names of people that he recognized, of great sages of the time. Tzemach name was not in the directory. He was unlisted. He says to him, the man starts to scream at him, your Rebbe's not in here, he's not really a Rebbe, he's fake, he's a false, he's not in this book, and he threw him out. Chosid immediately understood that it's not 
that can't be possible that his Rebbe is fake, that his Rebbe is false, because then the guy wouldn't throw him out, the guy would have killed him. So obviously this guy was scared of his Rebbe, but why was his Rebbe not in that book? <laughs> it looked like a phone book for all the, the different uh, sages. <coughs> Immediately he ran back to Lubavitch, and he went straight into the Tzermach Tzedek, and he told the Tzermach Tzedek what happened. He told the Tzermach Tzedek, he came in, he started screaming, he had the transformation, there's the bugs. Tzermach Tzedek was very, very distraught that the Chassid was exposed to this, and dismissed the whole thing. But the Chassid was curious, beyond curious, and he says to the Tzermach Tzedek, he says, but, but, but Rebbe, Shtoret, what was this all about? Why did I get Fablonjit? And the Rebbe said, looked at him and shook his head. He said, but Rebbe, the black book, the big book, I saw so many names there. The Rebbe's name wasn't there. Why? So Sedek said, in that book, Anyone that ever said a Dvar Torah that wasn't 100% true, 100% perfect, ended up in that book. Because that's the Satan himself. That was the, that was the end of what the Samad Sadiq elaborated. So we see, therefore, that every word that Yaakov is telling Yasef is dealing another blow to Yasef. Yaakov tells Esav, Im garti, tariag shamarti, I am very well equipped for you. My Torah is going to protect me over you. So first of all, you should know that I'm lovangarti, I didn't like Honig, I didn't have an easy time. Secondly, you should know I'm lovangarti, I must have worked out. He didn't let me live. But most of all, you should know that spirituality-wise, tariag shamarti, even though I was out of Eretz Yisrael. Now the question is later, he asks, Esav asks, I mean, the whole conversation is so, he asks him, Umi and who are these people? And he says, Yaakov answers him, Just locate this. Anyone looking, anyone listening to this afterwards is going to say, "I think you saw him to locate." I can tell you exactly where that pasuk is. It's because we're in brain fry now. Um, now here's already dangling with angels. What's going on over here? Oh. Oh my gosh! What an absolute, what an obsolete ringer! <laughs> they don't win. They don't win. <laughs> he says to Mayaras Anoshim is Hayladim Vayemim Yelalach. He says to my sees Esav sees the women, the wives, and the children. He says, "Who are these to you?" Vayimara Yelladim Ashechon Aliyas Alikim Avdecha. These are the children that God bestowed on me. Let's just again scrutinize the question. 
and he only asked them answered about the children. Why didn't he answer about the wives? Esav is no idiot. Esav retorts, Yaakov's Tayag Mitzvah Shamati. He says, You kept 613 Mitzvahs. Me, Eila, Eila is Aleph Hey, the same letters as Lamed Aleph Hey, Leah. He says, You married two wives, my friend, two sisters. You married Rachel and Leah. You know how to marry two sisters according to the Torah. How can you tell me, Tayag Mitzvah Shamati, you kept the Mitzvahs? You married two sisters. Yaakov answers, Vayimar. Now the trap on Vayimar is a Zakiv Godel, which is laying Vayimar. He screams at him. And the next word, Hayyelodim, is also a Zakiv Godel. Hayyelodim. <coughs> what is he telling him? <laughs> the halach is Geshen is guy kilonel dummy. A ger that converts is like he was newborn. Leia and Rachel had to convert. Lavan wasn't exactly the uh, ideal Jewish household. So before Yaakov marries Lavan or Leah, uh, Rachel or Leah. They converted. They converted. They became like new children. Hayelodim. They became like new children now. And they're not related. And therefore, I was able to marry the two sisters. So again, his retort is to the council, to what he asked in Atayag Mitzvah Shamati. He says, I kept my laws. I knew exactly where my boundaries were at. I knew just where I was holding, where I was coming and going with. Imagine Menachem Begin and Anwar Sadat come to face to face in battle. And Sadat says, I've got tanks, air force, military ships. And Begin says, I've got a donkey and a uh, ox. They tell they have that story. Doesn't that story go? How's it go? Guy called up Nasser. There's a little Moshe. There's a Moshe the farmer. Nasser, I want to fight with you at war. So you want to fight with me at war? What do you got? So I have a rifle. You have a rifle? I have 500,000 rifles. You machine? That rifles are the... Crazy what kind of rifles they have... Uh, Oh, you have so many. Let me call you back. Calls him back the next day. Says, All right, ready for the war. Says, what do you got now? So I went to the uh, town. I got Chaim the grocer. Barrel the butcher. And Shmerel the water carrier. They all have rifles. Says, that's it, four people? I said, that's it? He says, I, you are, he's all... And so I got from, I have my tractor, and he has his truck, and he, he says, I have tanks, and, and you're going to fight against me? I'll call you back. Calls him back the next day, and he says to him, that's it, we're going to war. 
He says, what did you get now? He says, I went to the shield, to the shtibel, and we got a minion, and we're coming to fight you. He says, you come with a minion with ten people, I have 800,000 soldiers. 800,000 soldiers. He says, yeah, I'll call you back. Calls him back the next day, says, that's it, no war. <laughs> I scared you off, huh? He says, no. He says, so why, what's, why do you want you know war? He says, we thought about it, we talked about it, we made a fabrengen, and we talked again about it, and we said, where the heck are we going to put 800,000 prisoners? <laughs> so, we're not fighting. <laughs> we have nowhere to store you as prisoners. So that was the uh, approach that Esav has, so Yaakov has here an approach. Yes, the Esav is coming with 400 men. <coughs> Armed to the tooth. As they say in America, these guys are ready to destroy. Yaakov says, Don't you worry, I got my shoyer and my chamoyer. Get real. Shoyer is hint. And Yaakov's bracha refers to Yosef. Yosef is known as Sitna Shal Yosef. Yosef was the kryptonite of Yosef. We see later when all the mothers come forth, all the, the wives come forth to bow down to Yaakov, to Yosef, and then the children come behind. Yosef, Yosef came first, Yosef bowed down, and then his mother came. And Yosef said, my mother is a very beautiful woman, Rachel. And I was worried and concerned about Yosef's reaction when my mother is going to come forth. And therefore I came first and I said to him, I'm this one's son. You're going past me before you touch this one. For this covered, he was rewarded many, many different things. Take a glass here. That's the glass. The glass, the glass. This is therefore his shayday, yeshli shayr, his chamer, I say li shayr, the words li shayr are the same gematria as Shanael and Yosef. Yosef was born. Or shayr is gematria keren Yosef, the horn of Yosef. The Chamer represents Yisacha. Yisacha represents the learning of Teda. And therefore, he says to him, with the learning, the power of the learning of Teda, we will also overcome you. And the Gemara tells us that when the Romans came to conquer a town, Again, we're in brain freeze. Children said that children would come out with their quills and attack. The quills which they wrote Torah with. So Yaakov is not just standing up for himself. Yaakov is standing up for the Sheva Hamer. He says, this is the basis that's going to stand up and confront you. I have no fear for you. Let us 
deviate from Parsha a moment. Let us get down to basics. We had Yud Kislev today, Tes Kislev yesterday, Yud Dalit Kislev next week. Malav Malkam Atzashavus, help! That's an official appeal. Shik Tzarai and I abai Shteiringin. Tes Kislev is the Mittler Rebbe's birthday, the day he was born, and his Yerzeit. And the day he passed away. Mittler Rebbe died 54 years old. Don Dineno. The Mittler Rebbe was imprisoned at the age of 53, Hitler Rebbe came out of prison on Yud Kislev. And before they could celebrate the first anniversary of the Hitler Rebbe's leaving prison, Hitler Rebbe was nostalgic. Similar to his father, the Hitler Rebbe was incarcerated, that was Fanat, for the regular people. He was put in prison, he was arrested. On the same trumped-up charges, practically. Kimat. It's post-Napoleon-Russo war. The economy was worse than Obama's. I take it back. It's Pachaja. Worse than But people were financially devastated. The Mitarebbe needed to see to it that there were funds raised. <coughs> Mitarebbe wanted to move to Lubavitch. Money was needed for that. He sent a letter to the Chassid Pinchas Reitzis of the three or four thousand ruble that were needed. 30,000, 40,000. 30, for the pa- families that were starving of hunger, and then for the Israel, for the Ania, Israel, really in bad shape under the Turkish government, and for the. Ultimately, because Zaytis was lifted, he had no family. The only one that inherited everything he had was a antagonist nephew of his, Musnagid. This Musnagdashi nephew saw a letter from the Friedrich, from the Mittler Rebbe saying how money had to be raised for the Aniyam and for Etzisrol. Etzisrol, of course, is run by the Turkish government, ruled by the Turkish government. So he went to the Mittler Rebbe and he told the Mittler Rebbe, I want X amount of money for this letter. He wanted to blackmail him, extortion. If not, this letter is going to the government. The website did nothing wrong here. You can put it wherever you want. Kitsa, this lovely fellow, went and just took a little ink and added a simple letter to the numbers 
instead of kichaf shloishim, instead of saying shloishim elef or abayim elef, he wrote kuf in front of it, which now became instead of thirty forty thousand became a hundred thirty or a hundred forty thousand. That is an astronomical number. Mitra Rebbe refused to be blackmailed. This was one of the trumped-up charges that were brought to the Vidig Rebbe, to the Mitra Rebbe, that he was aiding the enemy, abating the enemy. And this is something needed to say that had to be dealt with. And there was also different ideas of chassidus that were brought up by the Mitra Rebbe that the Mitra Rebbe was imprisoned for. Needless to say, the charges were very, very, very flimsy. Mitra Rebbe told the Tsar that I don't want anyone else to interrogate me but you yourself. And he compared him to Melech HaShemayim, to the Kamal HaShemayim, everything else. And he said, this is what I deserve. Oh, mercy. Hello. Hold on. Throw that, take this, please. And the Mitla Rebbe let the Tsar himself interrogate, by the Tsar himself interrogating, the Tsar himself saw how everything was Lufthansa. Tess Kisle was on Shabbos, and therefore the Mitla Rebbe was not freed on Shabbos, but rather freed on Yud Kisle the next day. During his travel to Hadich and then to Nezhen, he ended up in Nezhen, and there in Nezhen he was nostalgic the next year on Teskislev. Fidigreb was sitting in jail, it was Teskislev. It was Yud Kislev, the day he was supposed to be freed. <coughs> he was saying the Tilim of the day. The Tilim that's divided up in the month for Yom Yud Lachidesh, for the tenth day of the month, starts Kapitol Nun Hei. And as he was reading Kapitel Nun Hei, he came to the Psukim Poda Vishalom Nafshi Mikrovli, that my soul is redeemed, says Dover Amelech. And as he was reading this Pasuk, they came and they freed him from his cell. We find in this week's Pasha a very interesting conversation between the brothers amongst the many different lines they shoot back to each other Asa refused to partake of the elections for a, uh, a rabbi in the city and I have a rov already I have my own rabbi no, that's not what he said I have plenty 
Don't give me anything. It's all good. Yaakov in turn tells him, I'm also good. And Yaakov says about himself, his own status, Yeshli Kel. I have everything. Let's scrutinize the difference of Yeshli Rav, I have plenty, and Yeshli Kel, I have everything. These are the two natures of a person. Mishnah tells us, Ezehu Ashir HaSameach Bechalkei, who is a rich person, one who is satisfied with his lot. Yaakov said, Yeshli Kel, I'm good, I have what I need. It's all good. And therefore, I have no yearning for anything else. Although Mishyeshle Monad, it's a Messiah, somebody wants, has a, two, has a hundred, wants two hundred, etc. I don't have that yearning. Asaf in turn said, Yeshli Rav, I've got plenty, but as though there's room for more. Just keep it coming, keep pouring it. This is, in essence, the difference of the Tzaddik and the Rasha. So when the Mitla Rebbe saw what was being put upon him, he didn't blink an eye. When his father, the Alter Rebbe, was in prison, there were so many different experiences the Alter Rebbe experienced, which we'll discuss for you, Teskis life. The main thing, the bottom line, Mit Rebbe did not have any qualms about what was happening. Nor did he curse the person that put him against in prison. Nor did he fight that person. This is the way of the world. If this guy was was put in Nebuch in a position where he ended up doing such a drastic thing, such a horrific thing, it's his issue. He has to deal it out with who he has to deal it out with. When a person comes to humbleness, to refinement, Yomara tells us a person has to have what's called Shminish Bishminis. An eighth of an eighth of holiness. A person has to have something. A person can't be a total Shmata and walk around saying, I am nothing. But a person also can't be a Balgaiva. He can't walk around saying, I'm everything. <coughs> Unless you're a Rebbe. When the Mitra Rebbe came for the interrogation, and he had to be interrogated, and he, the, the, the Zara said he wanted him to face the people that had trumped up these charges. The Mitra became dressed in his Shabbos clothes, which is all white. Very, very, very royal. Looked like royalty when he walked in there. The Rebbe walked in, he looked so royal that the Zara stood up and gave him a special chair to the prisoner. When the debate was going back and forth and the person, the, the accuser, was confronting the, the Mitla Rebbe, in the middle of the conversation, the person, said, the person referred to the Mitla Rebbe as Rebbe. Mitla Rebbe immediately turned to the Tsar and says, Look, he's telling me I'm a bad person, but he calls me Rebbe. Who called him Rebbe? The guy that was confronting the, the Mitla Rebbe, the guy that brought the charges. 
So the chassid has to have a shmini shivashminis. The famous story of the chassid that was actually lower than shmini shivashminis. He didn't keep to that. He was really totally, I'm a nothing, I'm a nothing, without anybody, whatever. Someone told him, I said, where's your Shemini Shemishminis? Where's your... Said, Let me tell you something. After 120 years, I'm going to come upstairs. They're going to ask me for two things. Where's your Torah that you learned? And your mitzvahs? And where's your Shemini Shemishminis? If I don't have my Torah, but I have my Shemini Shemishminis perfect... I don't know how excited they're going to be with me. But if I have my Torah, and my Shminish Bishmin is not perfect, I know I'll be fine. And they, when they're giving me Malkus for not keeping my Shminish Bishmin, I know they're almost finished. Where does the idea come from, Shminish Bishmin? An eighth of an eighth. Take your ego, and you should only have an eighth of an eighth of an ego. What's the number from? This expression we see that Yaakov tells Esav, Katainti mikola chasadim mikolemes. I'm humbled. Katainti. Look at, we take out, you have to use two hands for this, because eight is not on one hand. And if you can do it on one hand, please leave it on. <laughs> I'm not shaking hands with you. Bereshis, nayach, lach lecha, vayera, Chayesara, Teldes, Vayetzei, Vayishtach. Vayishtach is what, Pasha? Eight. The eighth pasuk of Vayishtach starts with the word, Katainti Mikolach HaSadim. The humbleness <coughs> that Yaakov expresses is in the eighth of the eighth. In the eighth pasuk of the eighth Pasha. So that's why we say an eighth of an eighth. But not more than that. After that, you have to sit in there. After that, you can show the world how, what, you, what you're worth. So we see, though, that amongst the conversations, one of the things that Yaakov says of the expression of protection of fear, he had chitas. What was the chitas? We know the famous story that Samachsedek sent to Maharash to go to take care of a certain decree. And the Samachsedek told him, that my grandmother, Verlea, my mother, came to me in a dream and told me <coughs> that she went, because she was already in the other world, told me that she went to the Heichel of the Bashemtov and asked the Baruch by the Bashemtov that Murat should be safe on his journey. And the Bashemtov said she sh- he should say Tilim. By saying to him, by saying, by learning, excuse me, he said he should learn the Chumash, Chumash and Tera. By learning, Tanya, Chumash and Tanya. 
And then the Chumash and Tanya, and therefore, since we say the Chumash, the Tanya, and the Tehillim, which is the Rosh Tevis of Chitas, so you see, this was really ultimately what got him through the whole battle. One quick line before we call it quits, because my system is not letting me sit any longer. Shimon and Levi were not happy with the people of Shechem. They did something really, really nasty to Dina. Shimon and Levi said they got to wipe them out. Now the truth of the matter is that Yaakov doesn't really stop them. The question is though, what was Yaakov's approach to this? Did Yaakov think this is a radical approach? Did not think it's a radical approach? What was Shimon and Levi's approach? Ultimately, Shimon and Levi go and they tell the entire city to have a bris. You want to marry our sister, you can't be not Jewish, you have to have a bris. So all the men had a bris, and after the bris, on the third day, when everybody was very weak and in pain, they killed them all. Wonderful story, wonderful plot. Let's scrutinize the plot. (laughs) They were very assured that they're not going to have any problem killing the people. What was so sure they're not going to have a problem? What did they just finish doing? They just finished making a brismila with everybody. They converted the whole town. Till now, Shechem was Shechem. If the Jews would have attacked Shechem, all the other nations would have come to fight against the Jews. Now the word was out that Shechem converted. They're all Jews. Nobody's coming to protect Jews. Because they said they don't have a problem here. They're Jews now. Nobody's going to protect them. The Pasuk tells us, He came Shalim. Shalim is Rashtevis, Shem, Loshen, and Malbush. He came with his name, his language, and his garment. This is how he got out of the land of Lavan, by not changing anything, by keeping to the way of the Jewish Jewish people. I gotta call it quits.